Hi, welcome to CML Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. And today, as our guest, we have industry luminary Scott Brinker, uh, father of the MarTech landscape. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. It is great to be here with you. That's great. So, uh, did you ever think you were going to need such a big canvas to keep track of all the tech? Oh, goodness. Not in my wildest imagination. Uh, and I think the fun thought experiment is if you told me how big it was going to become, would I have ever even like dared to start the project in the first place? Not so sure I would have done that. <laughs> it's kind of like, remember when you were a kid, like, and you realized that Crayola had even bigger boxes of crayons, you know? So if you had <laughs> just the first 12 pack, but then you got the 64 pack, and then if you were really lucky for Christmas, you'd get like the 128 like, mega pack. So it's kind of like so is uh, marketing hit the jackpot then with with all this technology a bunch of crayons to play with right yep well i think uh to, yeah to drag that metaphor completely into the ground uh you know probably most cmos are like the parents who keep finding crayons hidden in all sorts of different places like where did this crayon come from and wait what's this thing doing in the couch so uh yeah i don't know all right killed uh what do they say that overextended metaphor sorry about that <laughs> no no problem i'm sure we can come up with a couple more as we as we get going today so uh you know i, I my, myself, of course, have grown up in this space. I remember back when there was literally less than 10, and I could actually remember all the names, not to mention the categories. So as technology continues to proliferate, pro, yeah, say that three times fast, pro, <laughs> proliferate, yeah, there you go. Um, how, how does today's marketing executive rationalize, make the right choices on the right categories and, and the right applications? Because it can get pretty overwhelming. It's incredibly overwhelming. And to be just completely transparent about it, it is it's overwhelming to me. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know of anyone who's like wrapped their arms around the entire industry and said, like, yes, I understand everything that's happening perfectly. This is the, you know, perfect model. It's just, you know, it's uh, kind of like quoting Dickens. It's like the best of times and the worst of times is just so much innovation happening on so many different dimensions. And that is a a wonderful thing in the sense that it's continually off offering marketers new opportunities, you know, to differentiate and experiment and like, you know, develop, uh, you know, new channels and tactics. But yeah, the other side of it is just navigating that, you know, keeping it coherent, you know, in how you actually approach, uh, you know, managing this and like aligning it with a strategy. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. I think, yeah, we could spend a, probably a whole bunch of time just trying to like go through it. But I think um, I always find there's like this this fundamental lens that if you just keep coming back to understanding for your customers, what does their journey look like? How are they finding you or how should they be finding you? What is it that they're looking for, you know, as they start to like engage with you, you know, the classic like, you know, consideration and evaluation stages, you know, how do they convert, you know, once you bring them on, you know, I think marketing increasingly recognizes in so many businesses, that's not the end of the journey, that's the beginning of the journey, there's so much opportunity, you know, in building loyalty and advocacy and repeat business. And so you sort of, you know, as long as you keep 
mapping out that journey and you you realize that that journey is not static it's not like you map it once and you're done and all right the next 10 years that's the journey um you know it's one of those things that you have to continually revisit um you know but if that's your guide and then you know from a capabilities perspective you're really trying to just understand okay well what marketing technology what's the, what's the capability i need to be able to serve that journey really really well uh, so that's one place to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm curious about though, there is so much now, right? and there there are so many channels. Where does AI start to play a more active role? Right? I mean, it, you know, if you're on Instagram, like they have Lenza now, you can do AI art of your face. There's Jasper. You know, you can build all this different artwork. So if you could do that, are we at a point yet where AI can start building the campaigns for marketers. I mean, there's platforms out there like Lately, right, where AI can create the content and do the social chunks and, and do that. Are we at a point yet where AI can drive orchestration and manage the technology? So it's interesting. So this year, 2022, was definitely a big leap uh, because I think up until this point, most of the AI that we had seen in marketing was essentially analytical machine learning and i don't mean to like uh, downplay that actually some incredibly useful stuff uh you know being able to help understand uh you know how, how machine learning can help us better understand things like segments you know and you know what kinds of you know contents and engagements convert best you know for different segments and how do we understand things like you know scoring and churn propensity and i mean really useful stuff but all generally in that category of like okay this this machine learning is helping us just be a little bit sharper in analyzing data and being able to extrapolate predictions from that what happened this past year was this whole other field of ai what we now call generative ai of saying okay actually these models had become so huge in the you know things they mapped out that they are now able to mimic you know creation of language for, you know, things out of like GPT-3 or, you know, things, uh, imagery, like, you know, we see with Dolly or stable diffusion. Um, and it's, and, and, it, and it's like this year, it, it went from the science fair project, like, oh, well, that's kind of a neat concept to like, oh my goodness, like this actually starts to become really functional, really valuable. Uh, and tools like Jasper, you know, it's a great example, right? I mean, this is actually helping like real content marketers dramatically accelerate, uh, you know, their creation. The thing I just would caution at the moment is these AI models still don't really understand what they're doing. I mean, it's it's, it's still statistics, you know, basically they're looking at this pattern of saying, oh, when I see these words in this language in this sentence, it also tends to be followed by these words in this language and this, you know, and it's the illusion is remarkable. And I think the illusion is going to get even more remarkable. But these AI engines like GPT-3, they're not actually reasoning you know, and so that's the one reason why I think using them as like superpowers to augment our production rate in marketing, I think we're totally there. Turning over this sort of like strategy, you know, and planning of what would the design of a campaign be like? Yeah, not so much. I don't that, think we're there yet. Uh, insights on next best action, or certainly on the production side, if you've got the rules figured out. Okay, um, I have all these different nurturing streams with dynamic content blocks. So if AI is constantly reading how the prospect's behaving, customers behaving, it should be automatically be able to 
send out the next triggered email with the right content sequence, with the right messaging. Uh, Self-learning or A-B multivariate testing, like on the fly, just kind of adjusting in real-time cadence. Um, just because what I'm finding is there's so many apps now across so many channels, things keeps changing. Even the best marketing people the best, that grew up in marketing ops, marketing technologists, I mean, how many apps can you possibly master and run and, and stay on top of the information? Because it's not like they're all working together harmoniously. Uh, they're still heavily siloed, even though they might have integrations in with CRM. But even that, yes, they integrate one-to-one -one with CRM, but there's so many N number of combinations, right? Which is in terms of people's infrastructure and stack. Yeah, no, and actually, um, I mean, you've of course touched on one of my, uh, you know, perennially favorite topics of integration. It's it's also fair to recognize that integration is not like a yes or no black or white thing. It's like there's so many dimensions. Like, well, are you integrating data? What kind of data? Are you integrating workflow? Are you integrating experiences? You know, what about the governance layer? And so, yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right that even with a bunch of these tools that have some degree of integration with your core platform, be it a CRM or a marketing automation tool, yeah, it's by no means like this complete and total integration and everything's, yeah, just, you know, one harmonized web. We've got, still got a ways to go as an industry to make that a reality. Why do you think, though, that it's always an afterthought, right? It, it, I, I mean, obviously, there's a reason why there's so much technology. Um, People build it, create demand, people buy it, want more things, want the shiny toy, but it seems like everyone wants to constantly buy the next app without figuring out how the current ecosystem works together. Yeah, I mean, some companies are better at this than others. Um, you know, I mean, I, we, we could probably diagnose several different uh, reasons that cause this to happen, but one of them is you know, marketing, particularly at a midsize or enterprise company, it's a lot of different teams and a lot of different people that have their own specific like missions and targets and goals. And there's now so much specialist MarTech technology out there that one of the reasons you see, you know, the, the stacks tend to, you know, uh, um, overflow uh, is because, yeah, just different teams are like picking tools that are really perfect for their particular you know, mission. But yeah, some other team and some other group is maybe using a different tool in a different way. Um, and this this creates challenges, right? I mean, certainly I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here for like, yeah, you know, folks who are trying to orchestrate at the departmental wide layer, you know, this marketing operations infrastructure, this MarTech stack. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a game of whack-a-mole of like just making sure that, okay, listen, we want to make sure we keep the core. If people are bringing other new tools, we want to make sure other things being equal. It's not duplicative. Um, regardless of whether it's duplicative or not, you still want to make sure like, okay, is it compliant, you know, with what I need it to be? Like, is this creating a GDPR risk for me? Um, you know, there's this layer of, okay, how do I make sure it's integrating so that we're getting this sort of right performance metrics, you know, standardized? I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is a constant uh, 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 challenge at this point in time, but it happens because for these individual groups, they see some of these tools and they're like, wow, this can actually help me. This can, this I, either, you know, from an efficiency perspective or an effectiveness perspective, um, the innovation is tempting. Well, it certainly is, especially if you, you're you trying to face a new channel or a new problem and you see this tech and it looks like it's gonna solve everything. Um, so with all the, the applications though, the data problem continues 
to get exponentially worse, right? And and it's kind of almost like a game of moving the cheese, right? You got platforms like Zoom, um, uh, Info making a play, and they certainly have a good platform, but that's only part of the story, right? I mean, the the data governance, the management of your infrastructure, getting the right segmentation and feeding into your campaigns, this still seems more elusive for most marketers than than achievable. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that's both, I think, making it even a little bit more complex, but maybe at the same time is starting to show us a pathway to a more rational future um, is what's happening here with, you know, the integration of MarTech into a more universal cloud data warehouse layer that isn't just serving marketing, it's actually underpinning, uh, you know, the entire business. Um, I mean, we've seen so much innovation now happening in that space over these past few years. Uh, you know, sort of the poster child of this, of course, is, you know, Snowflake, you know, and you now see all these like MarTech apps that, uh, you know, are integrating directly to Snowflake, where you've got all these like reverse ETL tools that are saying it's not just about pushing data into your data warehouse, but it's being able to pull things from your data warehouse and use it to activate, you know, marketing campaigns. And so on one hand, this is making it more complex in the short term because we're like, oh my goodness, all right, well, this is one more data repository. It's one more set of data sources. You know, how do we standardize this data? Metadata is like a just ungodly challenge for the data ops world. But at the same time, well, it's created more complexity here in the short term. I think it's starting to point towards a future where we could say it is possible that this cloud data warehouse layer may become the aggregator that ultimately connects all of our different apps, not just within marketing, you know, but yeah, across the entire uh, business. But it, it's it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a climb. <laughs> I mean, well, no question. I mean, uh, Snowflake, Azure, AWS, I, you know, these platforms have really taken off. Um, uh, but you know, it's 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 also a constant moving target because every year with each new channel, with each new application, it, it's not only adding more data, but it's changing the relationships between the data itself. Because it's not like when these applications build it, they're thinking about their use cases that they're solving. They're not necessarily crafting a, a data model or a great reference architecture, right? That's going to integrate with all the other touch points. But you know, if anything, maybe they're looking at a main platform like a Salesforce or a HubSpot market exchange or something along those lines, and then trying to channel it through there. It's probably more, it's probably too complicated to be able to engineer something beyond that. Yeah, and again, this is not a problem that's unique to MarTech. Um, you know, all across the org, people are wrestling with this. Again, it's great you're getting all this data starting to come to one common layer, but I mean, even the basics of just defining what a field means and what its value. I mean, like, you know this because, yeah, you've worked with so many clients over the years. You go to a client, you talk to like five different people at the client and ask them for the definition of, okay, what do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? You will get very often like five different answers. So like even yes, the human will. beings can't like agree on, you know, what the language is. And yeah, as a result, the data reflects that. And, and, and that's a real problem because if you use data that got created with one framework in mind and you're using it, interpreting it through a different framework, yeah, I mean, you're getting into a dangerous place. And certainly, you know, we were talking earlier about AI and machine learning, right? 
machine learning is it's a garbage in garbage out or champagne in champagne out but but yeah basically if you don't have clarity around the data that you're feeding into these models the predictions and the outcomes and the recommendations that are coming out on the other side they can actually be leading you down the wrong path mm. so with the rise in technology one thing i continue to see at a lot of our clients and prospects is that assumptions are made by a cfo and ceo that because marketing now is managing more tech they can scale without headcount so they continue to underinvest in the personnel needed to run these systems, and, and many of them are enterprise class grade. So there's a perpetual shortage of talent needed to run the platforms themselves. So how how uh, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing from your view, and and how does marketing close that gap? How do they make the business case argument? Yeah, this is. I mean, this is, feels like it's been a perennial problem. Uh, I was just chatting with someone else about this. Um, uh, Avinash, uh, Avinash uh, Kaushik, uh, you know, like sort of the Google Analytics guru from many, many years ago. Um, yeah, I just remember very clearly a piece of wisdom he had that it's like, okay, well, invest 10% in your technology and 90% in your people. Uh, and that truism, that that was real then, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It is absolutely still real today. And I see so many organizations where they haven't learned that lesson. You know, like they're, they're, they're buying technology, but without the talent to use it. And it's not just the admin talent, although that's certainly a part of it. It's the even the talent to understand the next level up of like, okay, well, strategically, you know, how do we harness this capability? And then also, you know, for most orgs now, it's not like you just want a marketing operations group that is purely a service bureau, that everybody comes to them with their infinite wish lists and throws things at them. And yeah, you guys figure out how to do that because we've seen this movie. It basically becomes this infinite backlog. You know, what organizations really need to do is they need to be empowering more and more marketing teams to have more agency, more self-service capabilities. But in order to do that, you have to be able to teach people this, invest them in it, put good governance things in place. It is it is a 90-10% rule. I, I, I think Avinash you know, captured that perfectly, but Oh man, yeah. I, maybe, I don't know maybe, if I'll just maybe, sympathize. Yeah, may, you're not actually seeing that in the market most of the time. No, no, not at all. Maybe he needs to do a roadshow tour or something and go talk <laughs> to uh, the boards and then the private equity firms. So yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely a challenge. And what's you know fascinating is you know Gartner's prediction from ten plus years ago that, that marketing would control more technology than IT. But that's come true. Yeah, you know, that's come to pass. But I think what Gartner did not predict was that that even as that moved over the personnel required have not have not gone with it so it has led to a, a an imbalance and, and an unrealistic expectation about the roi of marketing because you purchase technology but you haven't changed the processes you haven't put the personnel behind it you're not committed to the change necessary to you know if you're still doing things the old way but you bought new technology which is new capabilities but you're not willing to change your approach, what is it that you expect is going to happen? It is wild. Uh, and I just I'm smiling just because, you know, you and I have been at this for so long. Like we've been talking about this like 10 years ago. <laughs> and I don't know whether to laugh or cry that like 10 years later, we're kind of like, OK, yeah, for everything else that's changed, this one fundamental challenge still remains. Um, yeah, you know, in, in to give credit to, you know, Gartner uh, and boy, yeah, what a shout out to, it was Laura McClellan, right? 
you yeah. know, uh, who has long since retired. But yeah, you know, I just give her enormous credit for that uh, uh, being so visionary in seeing what this was going to be. But thinking of a more recent Gartner survey I ran across, uh, you know, a couple months ago where they're like, OK, well, the utilization rate of, you know, MarTech and don't get me started on a rant of what utilization of MarTech even means. But, you know, the reality was year over year, they've actually just seen it drop and drop and drop. And to me, the layman's interpretation of that is, yeah, sure, we keep buying this technology, but in the failure to actually invest in the organizational capital like we're just not getting value from that um so <laughs> I, I i don't know uh, what sign people are waiting for like <laughs> the, 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 well, the we're going to so discuss those signs in part two or something yeah so this is uh this is a great way to pause on part one uh scott brinker uh from hubspot uh luminary within the martech uh industry and uh we're going to keep talking with uh scott in part two